a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. It's great to see you this morning. Thank you for being with us. And uh, if you've been with us over uh, recent weeks, you'll know that we're spending a few weeks looking at our vision and uh, some of our values, what's important to us, and uh, just trying to unpack a few of these things. So if you missed the last few weeks and you want to catch up a little bit, uh, you can get uh, the downloads from the website, uh, or you can see one of the, uh, the PA team, they can put it on CD for you if that's easier. So we started by looking at uh, loving God and loving one another, And I guess loving God is just primary to all that we do. And uh, that's important to us uh, individually in our personal lives. And um, uh, I'd expect for many of you, you'd say, yeah, that's important to me too. And we want to prioritize that. But it's also important to us as we gather as a church. So even times like this morning, uh, spending time in God's presence, worshiping Him, putting Him first, uh, dwelling in His presence, focusing on Him, that's really, really important to us. I want to make sure we give time to that. And uh, sometimes God breaks in and we think, well, it's, you know, it's over the time that we thought we we're going to do worship for. But that's okay because sometimes God just says, hey, you just need to, to keep pushing in on this. And I want to make sure that we uh, allow God to do that. It's important that we get, have some structure. We know what we're doing. But it's even more important we allow God to break in and uh, invite God to break in. And to meet with us as well. So, so loving God is key. That's, that's first. As Jesus, uh, you know, when he was talking to somebody about what was the most important commandments, saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That really is number one. And uh, if you remember number two that Jesus was chatting to this guy about, he said, it's loving your neighbor as yourself. And so our second priority that we give ourselves to is loving one another. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, Jesus said, it's how people will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. It's as people look in and see your care for, your love for one another, that they'll know there's something different about you. It's interesting, isn't it? He didn't say it'll be your, your great worship meetings. He didn't say it would be your wonderful preaching. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> he didn't say whatever else it might be that we could think, well, do you think people will know us because of this or that? Actually, what Jesus said was people know us because of our love for one another. And so taking that seriously is important to us, as we were talking about just last week. So knowing others and being known is important. It's so easy, isn't it, to turn up on a Sunday morning and uh, not really to, to give yourself to any, any relationship with anybody else. It's quite easy to sort of put on a happy face and think, yeah, life is all good. And you're going to come in, sing some songs, meet with God, listen to somebody talk and go home. And there's no, no real engagement there. Well, that's not really knowing one another, is it? And not really loving one another. So we have to make sure that we you know, know one another, that we're known by others as well. And... Uh, Small groups are a great way to do that. And this, is, this preach is not meant to advertise life groups, but it's a bonus, Matt, so I shall be invoicing the life group department for this little push now. 
Um, but it, it, it's a way to get to know people, and it's a way to make friends, to get to be known and to know others as well. And so it's in that sort of smaller context that you can really start to love one another and take care of one another. So if you're not in a life group yet, see one in the welcome team afterwards, and they'll uh, gladly give you some information on that and allow you to connect into one of our, our small groups. Loving one another, I think, also includes serving in the church and serving one another. And many of you I know are involved in doing that already. Again, if you're not, it's a great way of getting stuck in, getting to know people and uh, blessing one another and blessing us as you serve and as you make things happen around here. And as we said last week, community life is really important to us. And building a community that loves one another and loves God is important. And a great way of doing that is food. And we like that a lot. And uh, so student lunches are great. But also life groups often eat together because it's what you do when you have friends around, isn't it? I don't know about you, but if we have friends around, probably more often than not, we'll eat together. It's just a great way of spending time with one another. And uh, so I want us to prioritize some of those things. But community isn't exclusive to loving one another. Community, I don't think, is exclusive just to us here or others that are part of Jubilee but not with us this morning. We can think, our community, that's just us. That's just my small group. That's just the people who come on Sunday. That's perhaps just my friends, just just the people I know. That's community. And we can also, we can sometimes put some barriers around it, maybe not intentionally, but in our thinking we can sort of categorize it and say, well, that's what we mean by community. That's community life. That is the community, if you like. But actually, what I want to suggest to us this morning and remind us of is community is not exclusive, but rather it is inclusive. And it leads us on to our next value of loving, loving those who don't know Jesus yet. So moving from loving one another to loving those who don't know Jesus yet. Because community is a great way of reaching out and drawing others in. And so we need to make sure that, be it our small groups or our friendship circles uh, or anything else that happens in the life of the church, doesn't become restrictive, doesn't become uh, difficult for others to break into because rather we should be looking to bless others and love others through community and draw other people into it. And we need to work hard on that and make sure that we keep giving ourselves to that. Not making it exclusive, but making it really inclusive. Because if people are going to see us love one another, they need to get in on it. They need to be able to see us do it, actually. And they might not even love God yet. And they might just be thinking, well, these guys seem to have got something. I'm just going to go and check it out and have a look. Well, we need to make sure we're being really inclusive at that point. And they might be at a different stage in their journey with God. That's fine. But it's only as we allow them to get close and uh, get to know us that they can see us love one another. So I want to urge us to make sure that community for us is really inclusive. So loving those who don't know Jesus yet is the the third one of our priorities, if you like. And that's what I want to spend a few moments talking about this morning. And it doesn't start with programs. Sometimes we can think, can't we, that Anything evangelistic, I've used the E word now, so it's out in the open. Anything evangelistic involves a program or an organized event or a course or something that we run. 
And evangelism does include those things. But more than that, evangelism doesn't start with programs, but rather it starts with your hearts. It starts with God encountering you and giving you a love for those who don't know Jesus yet. That's where it starts. And actually it starts, I guess, with compassion. It starts with compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to turn with me quickly to it, please. Matthew chapter 9. We'll read a few verses just from 35. Matthew 9, 35. This will be a familiar passage to many of you, I'm sure. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. Jesus had compassion. And he looked upon a crowd and he had compassion upon them. I guess if there was anyone who was busy, anyone who had a huge to-do list, anyone who had many people crowding in, wanting to spend time with him, it would have been Jesus. Crowds of thousands followed him, wanted to hear his teaching, wanted to get up close to him, wanted to uh, speak with him. And it'd be easy, wasn't it, for, for Jesus to think, oh, it's just getting too much, all these people. <laughs> Do you ever find that if you're a bit peopled out sometimes? You think, I just need some space. Well, Jesus did have space. He did make sure he had time alone with his father. And that was important to him. And that's what gave him sustenance in order to respond when the crowds came with compassion and he had compassion on them and he acted on it as well it wasn't just that he felt compassion but he did something about it I guess all of us stand guilty of watching television appeals for maybe famine situations around the world and our heart might be moved we might think well that's dreadful those pictures are horrific those people are in such dire straits and then we flick the channel. And our heart may be moved for a, for a few moments. We might think, oh, that's awful. How can they live like that? We may even talk about it with our husband or wife. Oh, that's just dreadful, isn't it? And then the news changes. Something else comes on. It goes to an ad break or we flip channels and it's gone. And it's easy, friends, isn't it, for our heart to be moved, but actually for us to do nothing about it. Jesus had compassion he did something about it. And it wasn't just he had compassion on people's physical needs, although he did. And you know the stories, I'm sure, of him feeding crowds of thousands. But more than that, he had compassion on their spiritual needs. Jesus saw that people had a need of him. Not just a need of some food to get through the day, although that was often the case. But they had a need of him. And my question to you this morning is this. Do you have that sort of compassion for those around you? Do you see people and see their need of Jesus? Do you see people and allow God to move your heart with compassion? You see, any action that we do, anything that we either run as a church together or, or we do individually that would be helping people to find out about Jesus, 
that would be loving those who don't know him yet. Any action should come out of a heart that has been gripped by compassion, that has been gripped by God, and we've allowed him to move our hearts. Jesus, you see, followed his father's prompting, didn't he? We're told that he only did what he saw the father doing. I wonder if the same is true for us. Are we looking to see what God is doing? Allowing him to move our hearts, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So before we plan any events, before we you know, organize anything, I'd rather the, the first thing we need to do is have our hearts moved. The first thing we need to come to God for is say, Lord, give me compassion for people. When I've spoken on this subject previously, there's not time to look at it this morning, but I've often looked at Luke chapter 15. Now, you you may know Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells three parables, three stories, if you like, to illustrate a point. And he tells these three stories, these three parables, about a shepherd who loses a sheep, about a woman who loses a coin, and about a man who has two sons, the younger of whom comes to him and says, give me my share of an inheritance. I want to go off and enjoy it, and leaves home. And so we get these three stories about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And in each of those stories, we see that there's something of value which is lost. The person who loses it searches for it. And when it's found, there's great rejoicing. So the shepherd who's got his sheep, gets a, he's got 100 sheep, and he loses one. He's got 99. Now, you might think, well, that's not a bad deal, is it? You know, he's got 99, for goodness sake. You know, why isn't he just happy with that? But rather, he cares for the one that's lost. And so he makes sure the 99 is safe and secure in the fold. And then he goes off and gives himself to, to searching for the one which is lost. And when he finds it, comes back and there's great rejoicing. And the woman who loses a coin, well, she's got 10 coins. She loses one. That's only 10% down compared to the stock market lately. That's not bad going, really, is it? But actually, she gives herself, we're told, to looking for her missing coin. And searches high and low for it. And then when it's found, there's great rejoicing. And she's happy that she's found that which was lost. And the most important value is the lost son. Who goes to his father and asks for his share of an inheritance. I mean, even that in the culture is rude. And it's like saying to his father, I wish you were dead. Give me your money now. I mean, Jesus' listeners would have been horrified at the arrogance of the younger son. They would have been indignant that this kid could go to his father and say, give me my money. You know, it would have been like stabbing his father in the back. We, we can read it and think, oh, actually, for Jesus' listeners, they would have been, you know, ranting at this point. And the, the guy goes off, spends all the, the money on wild living, and, um, and he ends up in a complete destitute state. And comes back, comes back to his father saying, will you just let me be one of the servants so I've at least got somewhere to live and a bit of food to have. And you can imagine Jesus' listeners at this point thinking, he's going to get whipped. (laughs) He's going to get really told off now. You just wait. And they're just sort of listening, waiting to see what Jesus will say. And we find that his father's already there, looking, searching, waiting for his son to come home. And then he's been there every day at the end of his property, looking out, hoping that that speck in the distance might be his son. And often it isn't. It's just a wayward traveler. But then this day, it's different. And he looks, and there's this speck in the distance. And he realizes it's his son. 
And he girds up his, his, his loin, he girds up his uh, robes and runs and embraces his son and welcomes him back home. Draws him back into the family. Great party. The son's astonished. He was just hoping he'd get back in somewhere to live and eat and be one of the servants. And his father embraces him. I mean, that is so like us, isn't it? All of us have, have run from God like that. And yet as we return to him, he embraces us, welcomes us home. See, Jesus was illustrating a point here. And the point is this, that lost people matter to God. They really do. They matter an awful lot. It's a little phrase that Bill Hybels uses, lost people matter to God. See, people that don't know Jesus yet really matter to him. And I wonder, do they matter to us as much? You see, if you really believe that people who don't know Jesus yet matter to him, that should change everything. It should change lots of things about us. It would change the way you spend your time, the way you spend your money, what you do with your leisure, the way you build relationships. If you really believe that people who are far from God matter to him, and and maybe some of you this morning are far from God, maybe there are some of you here this morning who don't yet have a relationship with him, then I want to tell you that you matter to God. And you might have thought, well, I'll just turn up, see what it's like here. Maybe you know one or two people that come and find out what it's all about. Listen, you matter to God. You really do. You really matter to him. You're important to him. You're valued by him. This church only exists because people who are far from God matter to him. That's why we started Jubilee Church. Because we knew that people who are far from God really matter to him. That's why we started Jubilee. Jubilee was started to, to love those who don't know Jesus yet. We live in a city and a surrounding area, depending where you draw the boundaries, and it's somewhere in a region of 300,000 people, if you include some of the outlying villages and the areas that look into Derby. It's a huge population, the vast majority of whom don't know Jesus yet. They don't. They're far from him. They're like that lost sheep. They're like the lost son. That's why we started Jubilee. That we might play our part, along with many other churches in the city, to reach them. Think about somebody like Paul. Goes from persecuting Christians to wonderfully responding to Jesus when he impacts him on that road to Damascus. Suddenly his life is turned around and he gives himself now to preaching the gospel, to planting churches and reaching people who don't know Jesus yet. It totally changes everything for him. It's his life's focus, isn't it? And the provocation for us is we need to give ourselves in a similar way. It's one of the reasons, friends, that we even moved here. To this venue, one of the reasons we thought, actually, we want to do all we can to love people who don't know Jesus yet. And we want to be able to meet in a venue that is easy for us to invite people in. That's accessible, that's easy to get to, that's welcoming, that is, you know, meets the sort of needs we have in terms of other rooms for kids and young people and so on and so forth. So that's why we're here. It's not just so that you can have a comfy seat on Sunday morning. I mean, a comfy seat is nice. Some of you look like you're really enjoying your comfy seat there. Uh, But it's not just about that. It's about having somewhere where you can say, why don't you come? 
and knowing that the venue that we're meeting in is accessible and easy to get to and welcoming and, and appropriate for what we're trying to do. That's why we're here. That's why we're in this venue. That's why there are loads of seats behind you that aren't filled yet. Because we're here for the people that aren't in them yet. We're here for the people in this city who haven't yet heard the good news of Jesus and haven't had a chance to respond to him. And there's lots of space just ready and waiting for them to come. Just ready and waiting for you to invite your friends. Maybe the person you work with or you study with or you live next door to. There's lots of space. And you can do that as God moves your heart, gives you compassion and prompts you to to do that. So evangelism isn't a program, it's a lifestyle. And I want to say it's not just for the keenies either. Maybe you can think of a few evangelistic keenies. You know, those who are always looking to, uh, at every opportunity, speak of Jesus to share their faith. And uh, we all know people like that. And that's great that God gives them that sort of enthusiastic, evangelistic gift. But for many of you, you would say, well, that's just great. That's just not me. That's okay. But God can still move your heart. And give you compassion. Because our culture should be evangelistic. Our culture should be a reflection of what's important to us. What our values are. What God has spoken to us about. So our very culture, all that we are, should be evangelistic. And having a priority of loving those who don't know Jesus yet. It should be at the, right at the centre of who we are. I was listening to uh, a talk uh, in, in a car a week or two ago. And the guy that was speaking is a pastor of a, of a huge church in the States. And they host many conferences there. And uh, he was telling how when they host conferences, and they have thousands of people flying in from all over the world to this place. And he was saying that when they host conferences, when it goes to a lunch break or a dinner break at the end of the day, he gets up and he says to the delegates, he says that, he says, guys, we're working hard now to try and reach the people in this surrounding area. Maybe those people who work in restaurants and cafes and bars where you're going to go now for lunch or for dinner. And he reminds people to tip well and to be polite and to be respectful of those that are serving them. Even though they've got a deadline, they've got to be back by the next session, whatever that might be. He's saying, don't blow it. We're working hard to reach some of these people. And they know that you're at the conference. They know that you're a Christian and you've flown in forever to to attend this. They'll they'll know that. So don't blow it for us. And it was just funny hearing him talk like that. But it got me thinking it's true. They're working hard at reaching their community, loving people who don't know Jesus yet. They don't want a bunch of people from out of town (laughs) blowing it. Because it's easy, isn't it? You're there in the restaurant, you think, oh, I've just got to get back, and the food isn't coming, and they're overwhelmed by all these people, and you think, oh, come on. He's saying, listen, don't blow it for us. Because loving people who don't know Jesus yet is so important to them. And it should be so important to us as well. Jesus said right at the end of the book of Matthew, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. There's an emphasis there, isn't there, on go. It's a doing word, as you might have been taught, if you can remember your school grammar lessons. It's something you do. It's an action. 
It's something that you give yourself to. And I guess the challenge for us is not to be just happy and comfortable in a a nice, warm, secure, comfortable environment, but actually to make sure that we are looking to go and to make disciples, to go and to reach people, to go and to love people who don't know Jesus yet. Now, it may be that some of you will uh, go physically to another place, maybe to be involved in a church plant, for example, or, or maybe to another nation that God puts on your heart. That may be a going thing for you, and it's literally a getting up and taking everything you've got and going to another physical place. For some of you, you, you will do that. There will be some of you that will. For many of you, you'll still be in this city, and in one sense you'll be staying, but the challenge for you is still to have a going attitude, still to have uh, sort of that attitude mentally of, I'm here to go, I'm here to reach, I'm here to love, I'm here to serve, I'm here to, to draw people in, and still have that going mentality about you. It might not necessarily be moving for you, but it's still having that going attitude about everything you do. I was so struck during the worship as we gave ourselves to worshipping Jesus and encountering him that it's not about worship or evangelism. It's not about encountering the Holy Spirit and receiving his presence or telling people about Jesus. It's, a, it's both. It really is both. Because it's actually, as we're full of the Holy Spirit, It's as God meets us and refreshes us and empowers us that we are then able to go and tell people about Jesus. I don't know about you, but I guess many of us would uh, admit, if we were honest, to perhaps a nervousness sometimes uh, about sharing our faith, thinking, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to say, or I'm nervous about what question I might be asked. Well, we need some boldness sometimes, don't we? Well, the Holy Spirit can give that to us. And as we encounter God in worship, and that may be corporately or it may be just you and God on your, on your own. It's a, you, God can give you a boldness and a confidence in him that it's okay to do that. And as well, he can, he can fill you with the Holy Spirit. So you, you almost become contagious. And those around you might say, what's happened to you? Why do you, why, why do you seem different? What, what is it about you? And it's literally that you've encountered God, that you're full of the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure, friends, that loving those who don't know Jesus is right at the very core of who we are, right at the front of of what we're doing. So I guess the challenge for us as we begin to wrap up is, what are you doing to put that into practice? What are we doing together to put that value into practice? That we might not just all sign off on, yeah, yeah, we need compassion and all agree, but it become a bit like the, the TV appeal, where in a few moments it's gone, channel is switched and it's the moment is lost my question is this what are we doing to to provoke us so i guess personally what what are you doing to, to reach those to love those who don't know jesus yet well i guess for many of us the the challenge firstly is uh, is, is knowing some people who don't know jesus yet <laughs> and the sad truth of the matter is the, the look at the stats the the longer that you're a christian the less number of non-christian friends you're likely to have That's that's just hard facts of surveys that have been done in this country and I think others as well. So my challenge to you is this, to build some relationships, to get some friends who don't know Jesus yet. 
And it might be that you work around some people, or it might be, you know, I guess we all live in different areas. It might be you have some neighbours that you feel you could get to know. Whatever it is for you, my challenge to you is to get to know some people who don't know Jesus yet and ask God to give you a compassion and love for them. And for those of us who have been Christians for any length of time, I realise it's a challenge. But friends, we've got to take this challenge on board because it's important to us and it's right at the very heart of all we're doing. So be, be, pro, be proactive about it. Be intentional about it. You don't have to do something extra. You can do what you enjoy doing anyway, but seek to do it with some people who don't know Jesus yet. So for some of you, that might be joining a gym. For some of you, that might be the furthest thing from your mind. <laughs> it would be wrong of me to suggest who would fall into which category. But it might be you want to go running. It might be you want to join a gym. It might be you join a book club. It might be that you join an art society. It might be you start doing cross-stitch. Whatever it is that floats your boat, just do it with some people who don't know Jesus yet. So you get to know some people. You build some relationships. You get some friends who are far from God. So that then you can ask God for the opportunity to be able to share something of your love for Jesus with them and his love for them. Never see people as a project, obviously. But rather ask God to give you a compassion for people who are far from God. But whilst there's a challenge to us individually, the challenge is to to us as a church as well. What are we doing to reach people who don't know Jesus yet? Well, one of the things that we've said to our life groups is, do something that, where you can just reach some friends. Maybe have a party. I mean, who doesn't like going to parties? I mean, we just love it. I mean, one thing that Sarah and I have done over the years that has been very successful in mixing up some of our friends has just been throw some parties for different occasions and have a mix of our and the Christian friends and non-Christian friends there. And they've been great fun. They've been really easy to do. I mean, we can look for any excuse, be it birthdays or Christmas or you know, just anything. And Matthew did, didn't he? If you remember in the New Testament, first thing Matthew did after Jesus had met him, he threw a party for all his friends to meet Jesus. <laughs> well, it, that's a great thing, so it's really easy. Get the ratio right so that, you know, it's not that you've got a room full of uh, uh, Christians and you're one non-Christian friend who's going to get pounced on by 30 people. But just mix it up. Get a good balance and have fun. I think some of us need to be told that evangelism can be fun. It's okay. You can enjoy it. It can be enjoyable. And ask God to give you lots of opportunities. Lots of occasions for conversation. Very naturally. And if you're at a party with people you don't know, and it's like this often at weddings, isn't it, for example, the natural question you ask is, so how do you know so-and-so? be it the happy couple who have just got married or be it the person whose home you happen to be at. It's a natural question, isn't it? Oh, well, I work with them. Or oh, we're on the same uni course together. Or, or yeah, we, we, we used to live together in, the, in this shared house. Or, or we go to the same church. It's just a really natural question to ask and a very easy answer to give without it being forced or difficult. So maybe if you're in, in a life group, my challenge to you this term is throw a party. Have some fun. Meet people who don't know Jesus yet. And ask God to give you a real compassion for those who are far from him. There's a challenge there for us individually. There's a challenge there most certainly for us as a church. 
But I want to encourage us to keep giving ourselves to loving people who don't know Jesus yet. And praying that we'll see these seats full in time of people who are in the process of responding to Jesus. We want to see Jubilee grow. Not just because, well, not, not just that growth in and of itself is important. It's not. Actually, what's important is having resources and the ability to reach more people who don't know Jesus yet. And the resources and ability to serve those who are responding to him. And as we grow, God adds those resources to us, be it people, maybe some of you who are here this morning, finance, other opportunities that, that come to us. So that's why I want him to see Jubilee grow. Not for the, that end in itself, but rather that we might be more effective in doing what God has called us to do and reach this city and indeed this nation and the nations with the gospel. There are lots of other churches doing a great job. I had a meeting uh, with a couple of other church leaders just this week and talking about their plans and what they're hoping to do in the city. But we need to play our part as well because there's a whole load of people who are far from God that need to hear of his love and grace. Let's stand together and... uh, I'll pray as we close. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you had a compassion upon people and for people. And I want to pray, Lord God, for each of us this morning that you would put that compassion in our hearts. For those who are far from you, Lord, that you would put a compassion and a love for them in our hearts. And Lord, that we would act on that. It wouldn't just be like a television appeal but rather, Lord, we would allow you to move our hearts into action and to do something about it. I pray for each of us, Lord, that we would uh, look at building relationships with those who are far from you and looking for opportunities as you give them to speak for you and to share something of our story and our love for you. Provoke us, Lord, challenge us on those things. And I pray too for us as a church as well, Lord, that we will be great at reaching out. I pray for us as a community, Lord, that we wouldn't be um, exclusive, but rather, Lord, we'd be very inclusive in welcoming people in and helping them in their journey to respond to you. So, Lord Jesus, help us on these things, we pray, that you might be glorified amongst us in Jesus' name. Amen. to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.